if you sign up for our Discord channel, we have some great promo codes. So if you visit us at majordomamedia.com, there's a link that will take your Discord community. There's many, many reasons to join our Discord. For this reason alone, you have 10% off Cook Any Day Microwave Wear. You have 20% off gift code, which I could give to you right now, but I'm incentivizing you to sign up for our Discord channel at Athletic Brewing. If you want to drink some of the best beer that's non-alcoholic, I rarely drink these days. I drink these things all the time. There's so many different great, great sort of skews in the athletic brewing category. There's 20% off your first purchase. Cometeer, and that is pretty much the only coffee I drink these days because it's just so convenient, so delicious. And some of their geisha flavors that I just got are just, best way I can describe it, are savory. That's why they're not choosing me to make coffee descriptions, but that's how I, I think of it. It is just such a great way to drink coffee. And all things Momofuku, you have 10% off all Momofuku products. Visit us at shop.momofuku.com for our ghost pepper chili crunch, our hot honey chili crisp, all of their chili crisp flavors, salt, spices, and definitely our instant noodles. Uh, they're available at places like Target and Whole Foods. But again, sign up for our Discord channel. Uh, we'll get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dumb Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. We have a moif for you guys today. Um, we have Chris Yang for a little bit. We also have Noel. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of traveling, a lot of construction happening. There's a lot of things happening with Momofuku, with the restaurants, and all the products that we got going on. Just a lot. On top of it all, I myself have all of my brothers and sisters coming. First time they visited me in California. And uh, I am uh, wildly unprepared. So we're trying to figure out if we can fit everybody. Um, these are questions that I've never had to do. Usually we'd visit our, our parents, but this is the first time that I've had to host. And um, this is all new to me. I'm, I've never actually hosted family. And some of you guys have done it for, for a lot. I, I, I certainly haven't. Um, so I don't know if we can fit everybody. I don't know if everybody needs a bed or they can sleep on couches. Uh, these are questions that I don't know. I'd love some, some, some tips because I got my brother, my two brothers, my sister, and all of their kids, and we're going to try to squeeze everyone in. It's quite possible that we're probably going to have to get a hotel for, for one of the families, but we're figuring that out. Anyway, the reason why I'm freaking out about that is both of my sons are drinking a lot of whole milk right now, and every time I open up the fridge, 
Some of the expiration dates on the milk says December 20th. Some of them say like January already. And that's how fast things are moving. And it's freaking me out because right now we're so busy with work. Things are getting complicated. I feel this always is the case whenever uh, the holidays approach. It's never a time of ease and relaxation, and at least it hasn't been for me. And uh, I'm just trying to figure all of that out. And, and I'm now plotting out what exactly I'm going to make for Thanksgiving. So the one thing I can do is to control my efforts when my brothers and sisters come visit me on the 22nd November, and I'm deliberating, do I buy a turkey now? And these are the things. Like I wanted to get some turkeys mail order, but then you look at the freight and the shipping, and like, I honestly, I don't really want to spend $350 for an 18-pound turkey. So this is literally what I tried to think about instead of work. I tend to focus on the things that I can control. So this is a habit you see in a lot of chefs, right? Especially when you're in the weeds and things aren't going well. This happens to every fucking chef I know. Definitely the people I've worked with. You lose control of things. It's so hard to have control. In kitchen work, you want control. We're all sort of control freaks. I don't know if everybody is, but I definitely think it is the case. So inevitably, everybody in kitchens find like the chefs, they find the thing that they can do, whether it's inventory, whether it's food costing, whether it's something that is absolutely important, but the lowest fucking priority possible because everything else you can't control. You, you just feel little confidence in affecting that kind of change. And I have found that a lot of people try to do this because as, as, as brain damaging as, as, and unhappy as it makes people feel, at least you have some control. That's sort of where I'm at with trying to plot out what the fuck I'm going to make for Thanksgiving. So I have legitimately written out what I'm going to make. And I just come back from doing a a lot of touring for uh, Momofuku. We've done the Momofuku noodles on tour with Resi and Amex. And the only thing I can figure out what I know has to happen is plotting out what the fuck I'm going to make for Thanksgiving. And I've already purchased one smoked turkey. I just went on site and I bought a smoked turkey. I looked at some reviews. I can't remember the name, mainly because my green egg smoker is cracked and I don't want to buy a new one. Uh, it's not like I'm using it all that much. So I just thought just easier. That's one last thing I have to worry about because it's smoked. I know it's going to be really good. I I'm going to buy a ham. I'm just debating what, what I'm going to buy. So I'm trying to knock out my proteins and then I'm just trying to figure out like, do I want to buy a fucking Turkey? Uh, do I make a Turkey? And I've just assumed I am cause I'm going to have a lot of younger kids coming I have a lot of younger nieces and nephews, including my own kids. And, and I think cooking Thanksgiving last year gave me a realization like, oh, I can't bitch and moan about these things. I just try to give them the best Thanksgiving as possible. So I have a smoked turkey. I'm definitely going to a ham, whether it's from Honey Baked Ham or some other place. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out if there's a place where I can just get it locally. The reason why I'm trying to figure out all this shit out is storage. There's no reason why the day Thanksgiving comes, if you are doing the majority of the cooking, you really don't have to be in the weeds. And if I am in the weeds, that's poor planning on me. There's certain things you can't control. Listen, your, your electricity might go out. There might be transportation issues, logistics, whatever. But these are things if you plan, you can't control. And this is legitimately how you know people that I respect in the restaurant business, they think about things. And unfortunately, I'm thinking like this as a restaurant. And I'm trying to plot out the space in my refrigerator and freezer. So I'm trying to slowly cook as many of the frozen foods that I have and all the leftovers that we have, either cleaning out the fridge and throwing them away because the freezer burn or finding use for them right now. So there's been a lot of smoothies. I got a lot of frozen veg that I need to get rid of. So it is a conscious effort to sort of make sure that by the time 
November 21st rolls around, I'm going to have like a dead empty freezer and I'm going to have almost nothing in my refrigerator. That's my first step. Now I'm just trying to figure out, I'm assuming that I'm going to have almost no refrigeration. It's easier to do this if you're in colder water, colder weather climates, because either you have a, a garage or something and you can put it out. Even if you're in New York City or Boston or a cold weather city, you can put it outside your, your windowsill on the, on the fire escape or something like that. There's other ways you can keep food cold. But, you know, in places like this where I don't know what the temperature is going to be Thanksgiving, but it's probably not going to be around 40 degrees, you know, I want things to be food safe. I have to like plot this out. I, I only have a kimchi refrigerator in my garage. So it's not like I have a lot of space. This is how much I am thinking about this. I'm literally thinking about every possible fucking scenario and simultaneously trying to figure out the recipes that I have to make to sort of exhaust all of the frozen stuff and shelf stable stuff and just clear out my pantry as much as possible so I can start loading up to start to buy product. One of the things I'm trying to figure out is when do I buy a fucking turkey? I don't currently have the freezer space for a turkey because I'm going to make a turkey. I do want to have the stock. I want to make a proper gravy, even though I'm going to be cooking in a microwave. And also just for the presentation, whether it's spatchcock or not, I don't know. But I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to have enough room to buy a turkey. And this is the problem. If you haven't been reading the news, there's a definitely a turkey shortage because of all the logistics and all the supply chain issues and the grain and all this stuff. The higher end sort of super heirloom birds that you can get from places like Heritage, Fuji, et cetera. Like what I'm really trying to contemplate is I want to support these farms, but it's the shipping cost that always gets really fucking expensive. And at the very minimum, if you get a frozen bird, you're going to want to defrost it. You cannot do this shit the day before. You cannot. You need a few days before the Thursday that you cook Thanksgiving dinner. So this is just the fucking turkey. That's a lot on my mind. There's a lot of variables that's moving. So I'm just trying to figure out, do I buy a frozen turkey now? I have a really great smoked turkey coming. I'm going to have a ham. In terms of the menu, I'm going to make my mom's kalbi jim. I already wrote the menu out, so there's a ton of shit. So I got smoked turkey. That's coming on the 22nd. I got a honey ham. I haven't ordered that yet, but I will. I'm definitely not going to make it. No one's going to make a fucking honey ham. And the reason I like honey ham for me, it's what my mom would always get. And it was the first sort of non-Korean thing outside of, say, a turkey and stuffing that was introduced to my family. So a honey ham, especially with my, my brothers and sisters coming, is going to be a nostalgic Proustian thing. So I probably would just get the generic honey-baked ham, um, which is fucking delicious. And I'm going to get probably another 15 to 18 to 20-pound turkey. Um, I have like way too many people coming to cook for, and I'm going to overcook because we're going to have leftovers. I'm going to buy canned cranberry sauce. I'm also going to make cranberry sauce, even though I don't want to, but both of those things are something my wife enjoys. I'm going to make gravy. I'm going to make a potato puree, and I'm probably going to make just a mashed potato. So potato puree difference between that and mash, a homestyle mash is... One is going to be more Robochon style, which is going to be a lot more fat, a lot more smooth in consistency. And I'm definitely going to make sweet potatoes. All of those I'm going to make in a microwave. Uh, I'm going to make, I decided I want to make Parker House rolls. Um, the Dave Arnold Parker House rolls are actually really simple to make. And I made them and they're fucking delicious. And I think I'm just going to go all out. As lazy as I am, now that I'm a father, now that my parents are gone, I think the the idea of sort of celebrating with my 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 family and my friends, as much as a pain in the ass it's going to be, it's like the thing that I can try to do and I can try to make nice. So I'm going to do everything I can 
to make everything from scratch with the exception of um, the ham and the desserts. I'm going to make green bean casserole. I'm going to make mac and cheese. I'm going to do some bullshit roasted veg, probably Brussels sprouts. We're going to talk about that in a little bit with Moif. And I'm going to make a stuffing. And I can't speak more highly about the stuffing from Dave Arnold's mom. Again, this is all, I'm not trying to tie it into recipe club. This is stuff that I just made. And I think it's the best fucking stuffing recipe I've ever made in my life. And I'm not the only one that feels that way. Cause when I tested it out, everyone in my house was like, what the fuck? In fact, I have it cooking in uh, my oven right now. The leftovers. I'm also going to make Kalbi Jim, my mom's Korean braised short rib. I'm also going to make uh chop chair. Both of those dishes are very celebratory and I'm going to have rice and, um, the one thing I won't make because it is too time consuming is my aunt's uh, shrimp rolls made with white bread that are deep fried. Uh, that's a lot of food. That's a lot of cooking. That's a lot of planning that I have to set out now, right? Because there's no way I'm going to make all this food that week without getting it ordered properly. And it starts with sort of figuring out this this third main protein. And actually, it's a fourth main protein because the Kalbi Jim is going to be protein. So I have two turkeys, one ham, and one braised Korean short rib. That's a lot of product. That's a lot of space. So that's why I am talking incessantly about this. This is literally the inner monologue that I'm having with my, 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 myself every time I open the freezer and every time I open the fridge, where the fuck am I going to start putting the, the turkey? And the bait I'm having is, do I buy a backup turkey now, put it in the freezer just in case I don't get a turkey down the road? So um, this, is, this is what it's like to be me. So... Uh, and I got to figure out how the fuck to make, uh, how to, where I'm going to buy all these pies. On top of that all, I got a special guest coming in the day after Thanksgiving and a bunch of my buddies from um, Denmark coming to town. And uh, I haven't seen them in a long time and I'm going to, they're going to come over, I'm going to cook dinner. So n- on top of all of that, I got to figure out <laughs> what the fuck I'm going to make for them. And it's got to be a nice special meal. So um, I'm figuring that out. So yeah. That's a lot of cooking that I'm going to have to figure out, and I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do or the storage of it all. So on top of all of that, you also have to, this is another thing I was talking to Chris Ying about. So not only have to, if you're inviting people over, they're there for four days, four nights, you have to buy the food for Thanksgiving. You also have to buy enough food to cook while people are there. And that, my biggest issue is food storage. I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. A lot of restaurants that you're going to want to do are closed. So um, this is why I don't like cooking for Thanksgiving. It's too stressful and I'm too much of a control freak and I want it to be done well. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. Wish me luck, everybody. We're going to get into a moif with Noel and, and Chris. We're going to talk mostly about the holidays and Thanksgiving and get ready for it because uh, it's going to be a lot of that talk for the next month or so until we hit to the new year. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit-free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit-free. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Noelle looks so uh, radiant. I think it's that holiday. Look at her skin. Oh, oh gosh. No, it, it's, I don't know, Dave. Today's My Opinion is Fact is presented by State Farm. As a small business owner, you know what it means to network and hustle. There's always more to learn, and it helps to surround yourself with people who know what it takes. State Farm agents are small business owners, too, and they know how to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, guys, Let, let's start up the boot up the supercomputer where we're at. Where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? I don't well, know. in uh, in preparation for the holiday, I, it's actually crazy to think that it's almost Thanksgiving again, because never forget this time last year, we were eating a ton of pies. But, you know, there's always there's always Thanksgiving related questions to be asked. So let's start. Let's start first from our lovely discorders. One of our favorites, Catherine asks, how many starches overall should be on the Thanksgiving table? I think we're all doing the mental computation right now. Minimum six. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. What are these six? Mashed potatoes Mm -hmm. or pommes puree, sweet potatoes. I'm going to have a bowl of rice. I'm also going to have chapche, so sweet potato noodles. That's five right now in rolls. That's six. I got six. I can easily go seven or eight. I think that was because the seventh one is going to be mac and cheese and stuffing. Eight. So what I really want to say is minimum six. Really, nine is where I'm going to be at. Probably nine to ten. Even. Wow. Okay. Okay. Chris, is that similar? Different? <laughs> is is to that yours? a joke? No, that's a le- legitimate starch no, I, spread. I think that you you listed out very logical things for the Chang table. It makes a lot of sense. I, I think that like at, at a <laughs> to like legally be considered a Thanksgiving dinner, I think the legal requisite is is three. You cannot go below three, otherwise you're not having Thanksgiving because it's stuffing mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes, right? Like that's the legal minimum. I agree with Chang that like. Uh, six is, is it the legal minimum, Chris. If you don't, you're basically eating at a college dorm. <laughs> you don't, you're at you know, a college dorm. it's a Thanksgiving meal before everyone leaves for break. Yeah. So I think that like that is that's that's the floor. 
I agree that like I would never personally do one with less than five because it's stuffing at least one stuffing, possibly two, at least one potato preparation, possibly two sweet potatoes, stuffing, and then bread. It's six. It's bare minimum of six for me too, I think. But let me let me add a uh well, Noel, what is your what do you think your your sort of minimum starch requirement is? I think it's around the same amount. I would also toss in there's usually some kind of corn dish that comes out if it's like a corn pudding or Oh, corn. I forgot about corn. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's, veg- out there. that's really a that's really a vegetable. <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess. Fine. Uh, but the real the real change in number of starches comes out during the dessert period. You know, yeah, I'm not that's, including that's that. when that number. Oh, no, yeah, that's exactly. a whole yeah, that's all exactly. starches. There are nothing but starches on that table. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me let me add this to let me add this addendum. What is the minimum maximum number of vegetables on a Thanksgiving table? Well, it depends if you can consider green bean casserole a vegetable. That counts as a vegetable. Even the fattiest vegetables count as a vegetable. I don't. I don't. I don't. That is a fat. (laughs) Okay. It's a fat and fried. It's two S. Fat and fried. Right? There's nothing redeeming. You know what I mean? Like, why don't you consider a potato a vegetable then? You know what I mean? Sure, sure, Mm. sure, sure, sure. Okay. So we're talking about like the whole gourd family. Your your root vegetable medleys, your Brussels sprouts. Minimum, I'm guessing, is zero. <laughs> right. And, and, and again, like I would, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think majority of all vegetable plates, we're talking about the plate that the, you know, at minimum one for your vegetarian person or two. It's more of a decoration set piece. It's also going to be um, sloughed off into leftover boxer, boxes that you're going to give away. Nobody wants to eat that i think we made that abundantly clear nobody wants to eat the root vegetable medley whatever flavor that they took from online from one of the food magazines that they just came up with as well uh <laughs> pomegranate um acorn squash <laughs> right. brussels sprouts and sassafras bullshit right. zatar dusted kabocha <laughs> with labne <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just discovered labne two weeks ago it's the same recipe they had four years ago that was made with Greek yogurt. Now it's called <laughs> Labne. And five years ago, it was the same recipe with curry powder. Now it's... <laughs> and creme fraiche. Now it's, creme fraiche was now five, ten years ago. It's creme yeah. fraiche. Now it's like sambar or something like that. <laughs> all right. But okay. But in all honesty, what, how, what vegetables are you thinking you're going to serve? I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> it's inconsequential to me. <laughs> Whatever's in the fridge that morning. Yeah, I mean, like, might be some, it's definitely going to be whatever is the easiest, uh, I'm, you know, whatever, whatever is the easiest, could be Brussels sprouts, right? Brussels just, sprouts, probably. I mean, that. here's the thing, I'm definitely not going to try to attempt to break into a gourd, you know, I like my sure. digits. I'm not going to fucking, man, uh, all of these influencers making beautiful gourd photos, bullshit. Like, that didn't, yeah. that took you hours to cut through. Let's see all your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Any recipe that says use butternut squash is fucking you. It's a lie. There is a moment where you're trying to get that last, like the last cut through the, where the through the butternut squash chain. I agree. Where you're trying to get through that last little bit where you're like, it's 50-50. I lose a hand right now. Yeah. I have oh. cooked a tremendous amount of butternut squash in my life. Really have. I mean, I, I would love to figure out how many since it was a case a day. Case a day is probably like 25 pounds for two years. Yeah, it's a lot. And you know how we cut them? 
not with a knife, with a fucking bandsaw. And I would have to get there first thing in the morning to use the bandsaw before Ruby, the butcher, would do that to break down veal bones. Then the reason I had to do that, it was worth me getting in like an hour early because otherwise I would have to clean the fucking bandsaw, take out the fucking wire. Because the only real easy way to do it is a bandsaw. What? And that's scary shit. So no, I, I just hate when I see butternut squash recipes where they're like telling you to like break it open. It's a fucking lie. They're, 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 they're extremely dangerous <laughs> and they should not be cooked with ever unless you cook the whole thing, which I think is probably the better move. Just put the whole goddamn thing in it and then clean it out after the fact. So no, I'm not going to really try to make any vegetable. Kimchi. <laughs> kimchi. There's your vegetable right mm. there. Yeah. Yeah. Two questions to follow up with your butternut squash take. Number one, butternut squash among the foods that benefit most from great branding. I, I don't even know how it happened. They got to be called butternut squash. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been getting a lot of hate from people because I make fun of the Gord family. I like the Gord family. I just... I like pumpkins too. You know what I don't like? The marketing behind pumpkin spice blend breads, all of this nonsense. It's the exact same people that came up with Fage yogurt. You know, it's <laughs> it's just not something I, I get behind. And I don't like the gourd fan. The only gourds I, I can get behind are squash and zucchini. Everything else is too much work. You know how hard it is to open up an acorn squash or one of those um yeah. Kabocha squash, yeah. very difficult. <laughs> so scary. Which, which is my other thing. Bandsaw. I know we've talked about the buffalo chopper. In well, the no, past. no, Chris. The, the reality is this: is like you tell people to open up a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's like as difficult. It really is. <laughs> the thing why I think a coconut is easier is at least you need like a big machete and like a fulcrum set to like wedge it open, mm. so you have some setup. I'd argue it's even easier to do it because you know you need specific tools. With the butternut squashers, you're like, take your 12-inch chef's knife and like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Right. On this like completely round object that will slip out from under you for sure as you try to crack through it. Uh, where does the bandsaw rank in your personal list of kitchen appliance, fearful appliances? Number one is the buffalo chopper. I wanted to name a whole show, Buffalo Chopper. Chris knows this. <laughs> It is the greatest name of any kitchen equipment. It is the name of my fantasy football team, the Buffalo Choppers. Um, <laughs> it's also a motorcycle shop. You think it has some like Tatanka-like reference to the Native American Indians? It has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Tatanka! <laughs> you know? It's just... That's our first know, Dancing with a, Wolves reference on this show. It's just an amazing name. And when you look at it, you're like, oh... It's like visual automatopoeia. Of course, it's Buffalo Chopper. It's like <laughs> chop up a whole buffalo. All right. So yeah, you're just like, wow. It, there, there's no safety measures whatsoever. You turn it on. There's not even a safety switch. You know how you turn on a Buffalo Chopper? You plug it in. You know how to turn it off? You, you take the plug out. That's how it starts. <laughs> well, otherwise, you're gonna, otherwise, otherwise, you can't sneak up on those buffalo to chop them up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this giant circular thing with this blade. And half of it is covered up top, like a hubcap with a blade underneath spinning. And and you just put, that's how a lot of like sausages and stuff get made. It just chops the shit out of stuff. That is literally one of the most scary machines. It's all, I think one of the reasons why the Roboku was eventually made with this auto machine, uh, the safety feature that actually ties into the perfectionist by that uh, a great book about Bernard Rousseau. But anyway, that is my number one 
terrifying fucking thing when you had to make pates and stuff out of that. It's like uh, I'm calling in sick that day. You don't want to do it. Secondly, is the bandsaw. Because I haven't seen a digit. Mm. I haven't seen a digit taken off on a bu- buffalo chopper, but I have picked up the finger from a bandsaw. No, you have not. I've told no, the story no, several no, times. No, 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 I've told the story on this podcast before. Picking up the finger story again. I'm out. Not this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on ice. I'm out. Salt. I salted the ice. Put plastic wrap over it in a deli cup. Finger. Ah. Ooh. Not, this is at a, a restaurant. No, 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 no. I first started I'm, working out. My partner. My partner never cooked ever again. Oh God. On his left hand, because he couldn't. He couldn't. They sewed it back on, and they, they thought they were going to lose it. It was probably better off if he lost the digit. But he wound up becoming a plumber. But he's not allowed. He wasn't allowed to close his finger without the left index ring finger closing down. It always remained out. Oh, be happy holidays, everybody. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, I don't regret asking this. <laughs> you're back. You're so, the so Funktastic asks, gravy, is it underrated or overrated? Who is this person? Funk, Funktastic. That's an awesome name for a horrible question. <laughs> so <laughs> the answer unequivocally is it's underrated. All forms of gravy are underrated. The only bad gravy is an under-seasoned gravy. But gravy mm-hmm. should be on everything. Gravy yeah. makes everything better. Yeah. Are you are you making your gravy from scratch? Where do you stand on packet gravy if need be? Like how how does that all work for you guys? Mm, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Again, this is dark arts. Very, very dark, dark, dark. So dark that it's like not even spoken about. <laughs> how I make my gravy. This is a forbidden text. Because, oh, you know, boy. I don't understand. If you're just gonna whip up a uh, package gravy by out, how do you even how do how do you make package gravy? You, you add dissolve milk, it in like stock. milk or stock, yeah. yeah. You know, you know it's gonna taste artificial, right? So I, you know, if you want to be an art, like a real artiste, right, like a Basquiat, you mix the high and the low, and you turn it into something else, and that's what I'm gonna recommend people learn how to do, because I just made one working out this recipe club uh, Thanksgiving Day episode, and. When we started developing stuff for the any day, one of the first things that I sort of screwed around with, I think Chris Ying was there as well. We were in Napa. I made a gravy. I made a roux first in in in, in an any day. It's scary. It's scary to make because it's so powerful. It's a very powerful spell. I don't consider recipe. I consider a spell. You, you, you take a, a cup of thumblefuls, uh, th- thumbs of uh, butter. Thumble break spoons. it in. Thumble spoon. You take a couple... Shake, she shakes a flower. <laughs> then this is where the package thing comes in. You take either a bouillon cube or a bouillon paste of something that is concentrated chicken, all of which is made by Ajinomoto for the most part. And Nors has a bouillon cube. It's fine. Um, they're all good stuff. I don't like the bouillon cube because it tastes too artificial. I like the paste a little bit more. Hmm. Same. I take a teaspoon or whatever. I, I, I just put some of it into that mix. And then I microwave for two minutes. By doing that, I start to caramelize the bouillon. So it gets pretty dark as well as the, and I, I mix it halfway through by doing a shake. Literally, I shake it like I'm Tom Cruise in cocktail. And then I mix it up pretty thoroughly. Then I have an electric water heater for your you know, like coffee and teas. And then I also, I put a sprig of thyme into it as well for two minutes. And I, sh- and I mix it in. When it's done, I take it out and I and I uh, take out the sprig of thyme and then I uh, add in the water. And then as it's uh, mixed in, then I put it back in the microwave for about 90 seconds and I stir when it's done. 
season with salt and pepper, savory salt, whatever, and it's perfect gravy. If I have turkey stock or any kind of stock, yeah, I would do that, but I, I'm going to make it the same way because there's no lumps. And I just made it. I'm telling you right now, it's like the best tasting gravy you ever have. <sighs> okay. So you, 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 you hide the, you know, the chicken flavor. But nobody's going to know. Nobody's, oh. you, you hide the chicken flavor by knowing like, whether it's turkey stock or whatever, no one's going to know. No one's going to know that it was made from chicken bouillon. Whereas if you make it from a, a gravy from a packet, everyone's going to know it's packet. Mm. Yeah, this is also coming from the person that never learned a single thing about chemistry or biology in high school or any kind of calculus because he spent hours upon hours programming his TI-81. So he never had to learn a thing. <laughs> but also programming it enough. So I didn't get an A because then the teacher would get suspicious. You program it enough to get a B minus. <laughs> true yes. genius. True genius is underappreciated. <laughs> Wait, so just just of all that stuff really quick, though. It, I mean, I, I saw I, I witnessed the microwave roux. It was mind boggling. But what you just described as like this sort of browning or caramelizing of the bouillon. Is that like a, uh, a you know, a common practice? The only the issue with doing it from the only issue of doing a microwave is that you don't get the color. Which is why when I do make this on Thanksgiving Day, I will take the fat from my turkey and, and, and add that because you don't get that brown brownness. The only issue with microwaving roux is it's harder to get it to a color of uh, uh, a Bernoisette-like color that I like in my gravy. Mm -hmm. So again, it just doesn't get brown. It just turns into like volcanic rock. It's not, <laughs> that doesn't make good gravy. All right. But will you, so you obviously make your own gravy, Dave, and as do you, Chris, but if someone else brings, you know, packet gravy that is very clearly packet gravy, are you, are you avoiding it? No. See, okay. if it's the gravy, if it's the house gravy, it's got to go on. Okay. okay. I mean, listen, like I, I'm going to respect them maybe even more. <laughs> because, because decisions have to be made, honestly, because yeah. it's mm -hmm. like, you got to buy some shit has to be, has to be store-bought. And if like, they're like, I'm going to make my own pump puree. Yeah. If somebody I'm comes in, it's, it's, I'm going to put this in the same category. One of my friends, if I'm having friends giving somebody decides to just come strong and represent with stovetop stuffing or preppers farm stuffing, I'm like, respect. You chose the cup of the carpenter. You, you, you did an amazing job. <laughs> and filled it with stuffing. <laughs> yeah. Like, <sighs> respect. Respect. Because like, you're like, listen, I could have tried to have made something, but it wouldn't have been as good as this. Oh. They know thyself. That's all. Know thyself. That's the really the 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 mantra for Thanksgiving cooking of any any category. It's know thyself. I believe it was the great Shaquille O'Neal that said something like that. Yes, <laughs> the big Aristotle. <laughs> uh, well, pivoting away from gravy and more towards the mains. Talk to me about your top three, five birds to eat on Thanksgiving, and in what order too. Birds. Obviously, turkey is not going to crack your top five. What are your top five? I'm not, I've given up. I've given up hating on turkey. Sure, sure, sure. Mm. I don't think nobody's giving it. We're not. We're not recommending anybody not make turkey. But listen, I like dark meat turkey. Dark meat turkey is great. Turkey neck, delicious, right? Breast meat turkey is great if it's smoked. In fact, I've already ordered one smoked turkey. But if I have my choice, I'd probably do a capon. Ooh, a a castrated chicky male bird, Ch castrated rooster. Yeah. So what? Okay, what are your top three eating birds? Duck, duck, capon, duck, and what? Goose, 
Duck, duck, duck. Goose. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are they? Duck. I would say that legitimately. I would say duck, duck, goose. I would say Peking domesticated duck, uh, wild duck, a duck that is of a uh, uh, that eats not from the water, right? Even though it's a waterfowl, most of it is from like they eat like grubs and shit like that, not fish. And then goose. Wow. Duck, duck, goose. How about that? Chicken doesn't crack, crack the top three, nor does quail or pheasant or any game birds. No. That wild duck to me is the most delicious of the game birds. All right. What if I, what if I force you to lump two ducks together? Give me three birds. Duck. Duck is the, the pig of the av- <laughs> aviary world. Okay? Duck is the pig of the waterfowl world. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Of all the aviary family. Yeah, it is a magical fucking bird, man. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right, duck, goose, and what is your third? Give me a third. I, I mean, literally, a duck is like a unicorn or Pegasus. It's just like <laughs> everybody knows as well delicious a unicorn. Pegasus is. <laughs> no, in the sense that it is like it's a fictitious kind of animal, right? It's, a, it's mythical. You couldn't believe it's mythical in its versatility. It's it's like you know Otani. I was like, shit, you can do everything. <laughs> You know, think about it. It's great smoked. It's great uh, confit. It's great cured. You can make all kinds of charcuterie from it. It's great as a salad. It's great as an entree. It's great as an appetizer. It's great everything. It gives you wonderful, beautiful fat that's good for your skin. Some Bubba Gump shit going on right now. <laughs> it's great. What a, all right. So I, I want to duck, duck, duck number one, chicken number two, and goose. But I only say goose to be a fucking obnoxious asshole. I probably just say it's duck and chicken, and then squab. I don't know. Hmm. Cornish game. <laughs> uh, I'm going duck. I mean, I'll, listen. The rest of the poultry world can battle for number two. You know, it's like I don't give a shit about the intercontinental champion. <laughs> just give me the, you know. Fair, fair. Duck is the number. Just duck is the best. I'd, I'd argue duck is my favorite animal to eat anywhere of all the animals in the kingdom yeah it's got more magical powers than a pig i I would tend to believe as an argument if i had to go with like you know uh some kind of fucking atheist like richard dawkins like my only argument to him of a god being you know being present we have duck it's a it's an unbelievable fucking perfect animal it's fucking unreal no, I wanted to play the what I'm really getting at. I was trying to get three out of you because I wanted to play a Mary Fuck Kill right, with I'll, birds. I'll, I'll, I'll say if it's Fuck Mary Kill, but now, but now I don't think Fuck Mary Kill is interesting with duck. So it's got to be Fuck Mary Kill, chicken, mm. squab, and turkey. Like fuck a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> There's the clip. I marry, I marry the chicken, and I kill the squab because really? no one's gonna notice. No one's gonna notice that I'm Jeffrey Dahmer of squab. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're gonna kill it and yeah. eat it. That's a good move. That's a good move. Yeah. We never really considered no the kill. Yeah. The uh, eating the evidence of the kill is a good move. No one's gonna give a shit if there's one less fucking pigeon in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's another great goddamn marketing move. Let's let's, let's just call a pigeon a squab. <laughs> that is another it. brilliant one. A butternut. A butternut pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what's so what what is your fuck Mary kill in this? In this scenario, you have to marry the chicken. You need a chicken mm-hmm. in your life. I guess I would like, I think I would just reverse it. I would fuck the squab and kill the turkey. I can do without turkey. 
and just a, the occasional dalliance with a squab or game bird is a nice little change of pace from your marital life with your chicken. What about esoteric game birds that you see on menus? You got quail, you got squab, gamecock, woodcock. Yeah, you know, never what? woodcock. Man, <laughs> you, you can't. There's no domesticated woodcock. You got partridge and, and um, uh, guinea hen. Guinea hen. Is that that's different from a quail? It's a it's a type of chicken. Mm. Not really. It's a type of chicken. It's just that it's got really shitty leg meat. <laughs> and the only reason it became even on my radar whatsoever is um, Keller has one uh, in his French laundry cookbook with guinea hen. And that's where the Bialdi was, I think, originally. Mm. It was wrapped in the call fat on the breast of a guinea hen. Mm-hmm. But it's not a, it's a very lean bird. I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> so the fuck, Mary kill is quail. Guinea hen and what? Squab? Cor- squab. Mm. Marry the quail. Fuck the squab. Kill the guinea hen. The least interesting fuck, marry, kill that's ever been presented in the history of the world. <laughs> Truly. Truly. It's just like, right, let's move on. Let's it's move just on. like a fuck, marry, kill these three Smurfs that all look the same. <laughs> uh, uh, so what are you guys going to serve as uh, appetizers? For your Thanksgiving dinner. And what is the ideal appetizer at Thanksgiving? Is there one? I don't believe in appetizers for Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a little hors d'oeuvre, a little snacky snack to hold people over? Why? Why? My timing is as such that when people enter the room, my house, or wherever, the food is ready to go. There's no talking. There's no congregating. There's no socializing. It's like, let's fucking go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Ah, uh, I feel like that's a that's a best case scenario though, because not everyone arrives at the same time, and you're inevitably having to wait for that one family who isn't there on time. Yeah, and you shame them by eating. <laughs> <laughs> you just start without them. Yeah, but you're okay. So not even like here's some crackers for you to hold you. No, over. I've never in all of my years of having Thanksgiving with my family, we've never had appetizers, mm. canapes, or durs. That's ridiculous. Come so on. what about your little your 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 shrimp rolls? Those are served at the table with dinner. Yeah. Okay. Mm. okay. What about what about some lumpia? Just a little platter of lumpia, maybe? <laughs> There's always room for lumpia beforehand. <laughs> oh. Either as an appetizer or a side dish. Thank you very much. <laughs> If anything, I might buy some tamales or, uh, you know, some summer rolls. <laughs> tamales for an appetizer? Now you're going to have tamales? I don't, I don't know. What? No, you're not going to do that. I came out yeah. of nowhere. No. See, I, I actually, this is, this is disappointing because when Chang and I discussed this previously, he was vehement in his, his banning of all appetizers at the Thanksgiving table. And now I just I'm hearing this guy's going to go with tamales? No, 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 no. Throwing that out to the test if you were listening to this. Oh, <laughs> I mean, this is shocking, dude. <laughs> Tamale might be the worst, one of the greatest foods on the planet, undoubtedly. Maybe one of the worst things you could ever serve at a Thanksgiving appetizer. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand when people show up to dinner and they're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten all those chips. I should have eaten three tamales that day brought. But here's a power move. Dave's going to show up at somebody else's Thanksgiving with tamales for an appetizer. <laughs> Uh, no, it's not that I'm against. It. I just like I don't understand the point. It is it is like literally an appendix that I don't nobody needs. You know? Do you feel that way about 
What is what do you, in your mind? What is I the feel general in this function? situation? Appetizers for Thanksgiving are literally like I wish I have wisdom teeth. You know what I mean? It's like why? Like you know why? It's so stupid. Why would you want that? All of the efforts going to be made on what's going to hit the table, whether it's the main entree of turkey, bosom, whatever the fuck. You have all these other delicious things. Why do you want to fill up on the unnecessary? Who's spending time to make beautiful, delicious appetizers, hors d'oeuvres? What is it going to be? What could be so good? Jalapeno popper, buffalo wings. If you do that, it's not going to make sense. You know? Chicken fingers? Not going to make sense. Just a little pumpkin crustini. Potato skins? Not going to make sense. Fried calamari, salt and pepper? Not going to make sense. You know, soup dumplings? Not going to make sense. They're wonderful appetizers. I'm not saying I'm anti-appetizers. Nachos, not gonna make fucking sense. Why, why, why would you why would you try to waste all of that amazing food? If you're cooking all listen, I can understand if you're buying or you're not cooking, but if you're making everything and you're trying to make a really beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, like why would you spend any extra time? You're already in the fucking weeds with real food. That's why I'm I'm against it. I think it's an unnecessary thing. You have enough. Like shit to do. Focus on the task at hand. Hmm. Don't buy into the bullshit. How do you view the role of appetizers in a meal generally? Is it to peak one's appetite or to curb one's appetite before oh. more food? No, I mean the, the way the way restaurants look at it is like that's more money for us. <laughs> sure, and sure. as and as big boy Asians, it's that's more food for us. <laughs> yeah, it's more food and. It, you know, it's also just a problem. It's like, really, some people look at it as appetizers as an entree. You know, like, it's just food. If, mm. you, if you take away the construct of the, like, the French, like, the French understanding, right, even the word appetizers, entrees, nobody really has it outside of that. Like, Americans, weirdly, are the only people that still follow that rule. Some of continental Europe, but the rest of the world doesn't. You have some shared items. You have some things that you're eating until you get to that point. Even like the Italian way of uh, antipasti is a lot more sensible to me because like you're eating stuff while we're cooking the other shit. I don't, that makes sense to me. But an appetizer is a small bite. Well, that's what it exactly it is, which is why when we opened up Momofu years ago, it was just like, let's just get rid of all that stuff. They're just dishes that you're going to be able to fire quickly so you can cook the other shit. Mm-hmm. So in terms of a home, it's very different than, say, a canapé or an hors d'oeuvre, right? Really an hors d'oeuvre. A past canapé is something where, you know, you're eating and you're talking. But I'm not, I'm not having, I'm not passing canapés, you know? <laughs> I would love to see that, though. I would love you to see it is? You It's like, here, tux. I'm putting it on the table and you guys come and get it. And you know what that is? Maybe it's a cheese board. Maybe it's a ham board. Maybe it's a charcuterie board. But that's not an appetizer. That's a place where you fucking eat because you don't want to talk to people. <laughs> that's not an appetizer. That's a trough. <laughs> yeah. That's where you go when you don't want to be social. <laughs> okay. So that there it is. That's actually the function of an appetizer mm. tray at a Thanksgiving meal is as a safe harbor for antisocial people. Mm. Which, again, I don't understand. <laughs> You just because like if you need that, the whole thing's going to be, you know, painful. So like, <laughs> so like, why would you want to prolong it with a social hour of of like chit chat? Just rip the fucking bandaid off, get the food out of the way, eat and get out, get them out of the way, get them out of your house. 
Merry fucking Thanksgiving. Oh, it is the season. Um, well, that was our moy. Today's My Opinion is Fact was presented by State Farm. Every small business owner has different strengths. They do a lot on their own and somehow manage to do several jobs at once. But sometimes everyone could use some help. State Farm, small business insurance can be personalized for your needs. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know how to help you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, give us five stars. Talk to you soon.